0: You know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We got some dumb-ass motherfuckers floating around this country. (laughs) Stop laughing. And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too.
1: Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You
2: fucking
0: guys are unbelievable.
2: Why are you laughing? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why Are You Laughing? A history of comedy podcast where every day I wonder if we just called it the history of comedy podcast if it would make more sense to people. But <laughs> here we are. It'd be a lot and, easier. Uh, today I introduce <laughs> to you the great Adam Carolla. We did an episode about the Man Show uh, a few months back with the great Vinny Paulino. Was, so we talked about, you know, that sort of era of uh, Adam's career. But, you know, the more I thought about him. He's a very interesting guy. And we talk about a lot about radio. we talk about, uh, you know, Howard Stern and ONA and Ron and Fez. Um, but Corolla kind of has that sort of uh, loyal following and an uh, interesting place in uh, the history of comedy, in my opinion. So we will get into him. Uh, I cut you off, Craig. What did you say? No, I said that would
1: have been a lot easier for sure if it was just called History of Comedy Podcast.
2: I think about that all the time <laughs> where it would just make so much more sense to people. And if you saw the title on like YouTube or something, you'd be like, oh, maybe I'll check this out. Yeah. Because why people, are you laughing? Is just
1: meaningless. Yeah. When people ask uh, or I tell people about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I do a, um, I produce, uh, why are you laughing? They're like, what is it? Like History of Comedy Podcast. Like, oh, so if you say, if, yeah, produce like History of Comedy Podcast, they don't ask questions. We yeah, got it. Craig's
2: make, making up a conversation that he's never had in his life. But anyways, no, 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 no. Family uh, ass. Family ass. Uh, make me sure you questions. go to blindmike.net if you want to support the show. If you do know what, why you laughing is, and you say, Mike, I would like episodes a week early, and I'd like some bonus ep- Patreon, a bunch of bonus episodes up there. Um, the uh, uh, we did Norm Macdonald on the View, a mini episode. We did a Pablo Francisco mini episode. We've done Opie versus Jim a very long two hour episode, uh, the Pelican brief Joe matter part two, all of those are on the Patreon as well as by the time you're listening to this, uh, I believe the Tucker max episode will be up exclusive on Patreon as well. And, uh, if you don't know who Tucker max is, he's a guy that should have been Dave Portnoy probably, and uh, just got exposed as a liar. So his career was kind of derailed and, uh, Uh, I don't know, an interesting case, so we'll get into that on the Patreon as well. So uh, make sure you subscribe, if you'd be so kind, or if you'd rather just support the show for free. If you say, Mike, I like you, but I don't like you that much, I understand, Um, but there's an easy way to do that too. Uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Google, wherever you get podcasts, all of those links are at blindmike.net. So if you're looking for the Patreon, you're looking for our merch, you're looking for our free links. Linemike.net is the easiest place to get all that. You'll find all of those links and more, I guess. <sighs> all right. Now that, that's, now that business is taken care of, um, yeah, we, did, uh, we talked about Corolla. And I think it was while we were talking to Vinny about it at some point, while we were getting into the careers of all four guys that hosted the man show, it dawned on me that uh, at some point, all four of them will probably have to do an episode on um for for varying reasons. But Corolla' is the most it's hard to say the most interesting of the four because all those guys have had crazy careers. Um, but Corolla, to me, is a very interesting case where, you know, he started it's not dissimilar. I've mentioned it feels like every episode for the last few about uh, the older guys that, you know, fought in wars and things. And Carolla didn't have a life, anything like that. But he did live a life. Like, uh, you know, he played um, football. He was like, a, you know, an all-American football player. He uh, had, you know, construction jobs. and He well, was a boxing trainer. We'll get into all of that. But he was like a real guy before he officially got into comedy. And uh, I think that's what's made him relatable to the audience that he's built.
1: Much like Kumia. Oh. Uh
2: I suppose, yeah, yeah. Not, not dissimilar. Um, but we'll start with his, uh, his very early days. Uh, so we will go to uh, his appearance on the Are You Garbage podcast, which, side note, shout out to the Are You Garbage Boys, the Army of Garbage, because that is a great, if you're looking to discover people in that, and I'm not talking about big names even. I mean, like, smaller names in comedy. Um, like I didn't know who Ali Makovsky was, or uh, Doug Smith, or Tom Takar, some of these names. I didn't know who they were. I listened to their episode of Are You Garbage, and it's a very good way to get to know, get a feel for, um, you know, someone's background and what their life is like. Uh, that's very, you know, funny questions that lead to kind of insightful stories and things like that. So shout out to Are You Garbage um, because that's where we got our first couple of clips. And uh, the first one involved, it, it is something as I went through more and more interviews, I realized Corolla has talked about this a couple places, um, but I didn't realize it until his uh, AYG appearance. He talks about uh, basically growing up and his education.
0: And how were you in school? Did you do good in school? No, no, I didn't do well. I was, uh, I didn't have, I, I didn't learn to read or write, Like you know, early. In my whatever those formative years are, what's early? Think, what are we talking about here? Whenever you're supposed to, you know, whatever that is. <laughs> when did you learn to read? No, oh, when yeah, you know, ostensibly, when I got into show business, like
2: really, what yeah, what are you, Sling Blade? What oh, the yeah. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> holy shit,
0: yeah, we had now no you French wrote a trial, you're writing books, yeah, yeah, it's, it's that's quite fucking a, crazy. Well, you know, I, I went, <clears throat> I missed out on traditional school from zero to about the fifth grade is when I, is when I entered like a conventional. Is this because the school. mom was hippie? Yeah. My mom was hippie. Uh, okay. And so it was kind of a hang back free to be you and me kind of communal, like went to school in the house. I would have never Europe paid did, you for any of this. Did yeah. Nothing. Well, my dad was from Philly and you know Radiance, sort of yeah. straight, you know, normal or whatever. My mom was kind of California hippie. Mm hmm. And so we ended up in this community school, like, you know, it's just someone's house in Silver Lake. And we just <laughs> threw dirt clods and made stuff out of clay. You know, we didn't, there was no learning. There sure. was no books, there's no anything. No and then, yeah. um, then at some point that just kind of all dried up and uh, I ended up just going across the street to Colfax Elementary. It was just a regular. Your mom put you in school. school. Yeah. She put me in the one I could walk to. Okay. You know? and, and so I entered in the fifth grade and I didn't know, I didn't know anything. You know, I, I was like a crocodile wow. Dundee walking through. <laughs> <mad hat. laughs> I, didn't.
2: I, I never heard that. And I know a lot of people, uh, I, I've heard a lot of people that have listened to Corolla religiously say now in 2023, it's a lot of the same stories that you hear over and over again. So I'm sure if you listen to his radio show or his podcast, you heard that story a bunch. Uh, but I, I was not aware of that. And you completely wouldn't expect, if you know anything about him, that he grew up as like some sort of hippie, dippy, you know, whatever you learn, your grades are uh, dolphins and stars instead of letters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maybe, maybe he kind of uh, rebelled against that because, again, if you ever heard him talk about his childhood. He has a lot of resentment towards his parents. And uh, when I listened to him on Marin, he was basically saying, like, um, you know, people ask me, like, were you abused? And I say, like, abused would have been some form of attention. I got, it was just like, <laughs> I could do whatever I wanted because essentially I didn't exist to my parents.
1: Oh, that's brutal. I loved his Crocodile Dundee reference, too. <laughs> it was
2: perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, he, he, uh, bitches a lot about his, his parents and things. And it seems like the kind of relationship where, you know, he remained in touch with them and there was no, you know, there was, like I said, no physical abuse or anything like that. Nothing that would, uh, nothing that would clearly put you into therapy, but sometimes that's just, everyone has their own thing where it's like, you got too much attention you got not enough, you know, uh, nothing's ever good enough for any kid is what you learn if you go to w- uh, one therapy session pretty <laughs> much, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, hilarious that his career is so much more amazing when you consider that he basically couldn't read because he talked about that. Like, um, you know, he mentioned there, he said, basically when I got into show businesses, when I learned how to read, uh, because essentially he just faked his way through the rest of school. It's not like now in fifth grade, they're going to take you and be like, all right, Adam, here's how you read. Right. You know, because every other kid already knows that. So he just had to fake his way. I can kind of relate to that in the sense of um, I couldn't read any. I, I could also couldn't read technically because of my vision. Um, So I would just yeah, fa- oh, yeah, no, I did the reading and just guess at everything.
1: Oh, man, test taking must have been a
2: it was, problem. I mean, it was tough. Yeah. So I could probably relate to Adam a lot in that sense where you're just, Essentially, we were looking at the same piece of paper where neither of us could read it for different reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, he eventually uh, adapted to normal society when he was in you know, middle school and high school, and uh, he was a very athletic kid. If you know anything, again, uh, if you know Carol, obviously he hosted the Man Show. He's a bit of a man's man, and uh, he talks a little about his football career here.
0: I wasn't really much of a partier. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a troublemaker. I was just kind of kept my head down, played football. Okay. Uh, like sports. What or position? Was Good at something. I played linebacker and <sighs> guard as well that on did. the offensive side. And I was good. Like I got all Bally. Mm-hmm. And there got, you go. You know, some scholarships,
2: but. Oh, very. But pause for you one second. Just, I just want to apologize because I believe I called him an all American earlier. That's much much different.
1: <laughs> just one he was good co- for the town he was in. Yeah, he was good in one county. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let's continue. <laughs> oh, I was like, I, I,
0: I, I could have maybe Even, I, even Alabama wouldn't take you. Uh, I was not being recruited by <laughs> Alabama. I was, you know, UC Davis or yeah. Cal Poly Pomona, places Holy like that. shit. That's wild, man. What Marshall, actually. Really? Uh, there you go. That was, yeah, but that was, you know, a short period of time after the plane crash. <laughs> <and> the <laughs> <entire> team, <laughs> they needed, needed bodies. And they, they needed human <laughs> <laughs> beings.
1: <laughs>
2: They just needed bodies
1: <laughs> just, That is so funny
2: <laughs> Just patchwork If you can walk, come to Marshall <laughs> uh, Yeah, so he was You know, a kid that didn't have a lot of direction um, I, I've i heard him In a lot of these interviews talk about like You know it, it, Adam's a great talker A great conversationalist And he is naturally a funny guy You just hear it right there in the couple of clips we played Um very capable of talking and being funny. And he kind of at some level knew he might want to do that, but also like at the point that he was in um, where he has these like minor, minor college scholarships, but nothing too crazy. Like he has no direction in life. And that's again, probably due to neglectful parents. Like they were there to, you know, somewhat support. He refers to his mom as, like, essentially a, like, welfare case. And it's interesting. I think one of the reasons I'm drawn to a lot of comedians is their uh, perspective on things. Because Adam's a guy who bitches all the time about his parents. Um, and he'll tell some of the same stories. Uh, like, he he he, t- he tells one story where he has um, two shows. He has Crank Yankers and The Man Show, both on Comedy Central at the same time and there was like a a family the family had gotten together for some occasion and his mom just got something in the mail um, about upgrading like from the cable company saying she should upgrade to cable and he said his mother in all earnestness says can anyone think of a reason why I should get cable (laughs) and Adam's like I have two shows I can think of two (laughs) 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 <laughs> so, you know, um, but but his perspective, that's what I was saying, was he can bitch about that constantly, but also he still had the perspective to say, like, you know, it was her mother that never pushed her to do anything that kind of caused her to do that. Like, she was able to just um, not have to work when she was very young and things like that. So he was kind of, you know, sympathetic is probably too strong, but at least understanding of why she was like that. And I think a lot of comedians have that Sort of perspective that makes me Kind of like them Like if you know if you've ever listened to the Blind Mike Project You're probably aware that um, People who are not self-aware Bother me So <laughs> I like people who somewhat are at least He definitely um, uh, Alright what are we getting into now his, uh, his working years Yeah construction Yeah so this is basically uh, how he entered the workforce I got out of high school I decided not to go to college,
0: not because I wasn't highly sought after as a student. You know, when you pull a 1.75 GPA at North Hollywood High, you have every place from Stanford, Yale, you know, buying for your attention. But sensibly, I decided to go to a construction site and pick up garbage and dig ditches instead. I realized pretty quickly this is going to be a horrible life, so I bought some tools and a hypoid saw. And my foreman told me if I bought a pickup truck instead of the motorcycle I was riding, he would pay me another dollar an hour. So I got a pickup truck for $1,100. It was a Mazda pickup truck that had two bar stools where the bench seat used to be like literally bar stools bolted in. And an eight ball for a gear shift knob, I remember. And uh, I was on my way.
2: Yeah, so he was, uh, you know, he had a real man's job. And he would do shit like that, like uh, carpentry carpentry and construction and that sort of thing. um, Basically as a a means of paying his bills. And he would do essentially whatever he could, whatever odd jobs kind of fell into his lap and uh that's how he paid his rent but something i didn't realize was you know he i think he references this in the clip i was one of the people that kind of uh just thought he was like a uh you know rags to riches story like he was a, a cockeyed optimist who never had any intention of getting into showbiz and lucked his way into it um i didn't realize the kind of early background he had and sort of dedication he had into getting into stand-up or sketch comedy, um, which I believe is our next clip, right? Talking about the Groundlings?
1: Yeah, and this might be a first for this program, having this
2: program being placed. Yes, we're talking about... <laughs> just get through it, folks. We have uh, Brendan Schaub and Brian Cowling asking, asking poignant questions and getting good answers. So let's not, you know, gawk in amazement. Let's just try and get through it. Dude, Groundlings, right?
0: Yeah, I did Groundlings. I, I, you know, I don't, people have this sort of weird cartoon version of me, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, I'm just some thug that came off the construction site, like kind of <laughs> nailed, kind of knuckle dragon, just kind of blue collar douchey guy who has some sort of homespun witticism. Yeah. Like they look at me as like a, like sort of comedy savant, but it's like, th- but but you know, kind of like Rain Man with comedy. Yeah. But the reality is, is I was at the Groundlings when I was like 21, 22. Mm-hmm. I went all the way through the Groundlings. After the Groundlings were done with me, because um, I didn't make it into be- being a Groundling, I went off and started or helped start a group called the Acme Theater.
2: Oh wow, I didn't, know you, I, started, I didn't know you helped start that.
0: I was at wow. the Acme Theater <laughs> Two or three names before it became Acme. Damn. Like we were like the two Rhodes players and the whatever, I, you know, answering an ad in the, like the back of the drama log that my girlfriend found. And then I built the Acme Theater that was on Lancashire, which is now turned into something else in NoHo. Back when they were trying to get like NoHo off mm-hmm. the ground, so I had I I had this real training. in in improvisational comedy. But no, everyone thought I just was a construction guy who was like funny, you know, kind of off the cuff. But when I got into radio, and the reason I, I progressed so quickly as soon as I got into radio is because I had all this training.
2: Yeah, and so that's uh, there's a couple things there. First of all, like I said, I was one of the people that he's talking about there where I thought he just met Jimmy Kimmel by accident and was off to the races. Um, But no, it took him a lot of years. He was very persistent. And that's the interesting thing about radio is the best, in in my opinion, I've heard enough people say this that I I think there's some truth to it. Um, the best training for radio is listening to and understanding radio, you know, like Corolla is a guy who grew up listening to um, he says like talk radio, but then he kind of clarifies it and says like, you know, just even like, just like morning DJs and shit like that. You know, I don't think he was listening to the um, Rush Limbaugh at a young age, but like, you know, in the nineties, he listened in eighties and nineties, he listened to Howard Stern and shit like that. Mm. And In a weird way, that's the best training because you start to understand how uh, conversation flows and timing and things like that. And so, uh, uh, you know, I think that's the sort of thing that allowed him to be good at improv and then his improv training in turn allowed him to be good uh, in radio. Um, And the other thing, too, that he doesn't mention there, but he did start stand-up as well. At that time, like he would do open mics and stuff, and then I think when he uh, started to blow up, kind of just abandoned stand up until uh, he went back to it. You know, years later, without any sort of an act. So, for all intents and purposes, he didn't really get into stand up until he was famous. Um, But he did. I think Seth Rogen has kind of a similar story, where like he did, he technically did do stand up early on, but you wouldn't call him a stand up in his uh, young years.
1: I think he, um, Seth Rogen, definitely, he did not stick with it in the in-between, but when he first started, there's footage of him when he was real young doing it. Right. And it's, right, right, it's, right. It's, And
2: just some of these guys get so famous at another thing, like Adam Carolla got, you know, very big, huge on TV and things where it's like, well, you weren't really even a stand-up yet, so you don't have time to continue it.
1: Right, because uh, even Rogen, when he did news radio and stuff like that, he stopped doing it, really, and right. touring and all that uh yeah. until he could you know got famous and rich enough that he was like I'll do what I feel like.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. Um all right, so now I believe we're at the point um where I I I did know this story but I didn't realize his background. I thought we're at the uh him meeting Kimmel, right? Yep. So I was kind of under the impression that uh Jimmy Kimmel just hired him uh as a boxing trainer because like I said he would do construction he would also uh, uh, do other odd jobs. And one of those things was um, train give people boxing lessons. And uh, I thought Kimball just hired him, but this is the story of how they actually met.
0: Uh, I got into comedy because I was working as a boxing instructor. Boxing instructor? Boxing instructor. Adam Carolla can fight. I could box. <laughs> and uh, that's what I used to do for a living. And when I was uh, doing it, uh, I was listening to the radio one day and they're having one of those morning show boxing matches where they're like, oh, uh, the sports guy, who was Jimmy Kimmel, mm-hmm. is going to be fighting the maintenance guy, Michael the Maintenance Man, and we need trainers and we need equipment and, you know, and everything. I was driving my truck and I was like, oh man, i got to get in on this because mm-hmm. so I want to check out radio because I always wanted to do radio. So I strode over to the radio station and I just banged on the door. And I said, I'm a boxing trainer. And they said, well, hold on. And I just stood out there in the hallway. And uh, at some point, Jimmy came out. And he said, uh, what's up? I said, I'm a boxing instructor. He said, when do you want to start? I said, uh, let's get started today. And we got started. And we, I made friends with him. He lost the fight. He was no good at boxing. All we did was sit around and drink Snapple and talk about comedy. So Yeah. But by the end of like the three weeks I had to train him, He was like, uh, you're funny. And he got me onto the radio.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, again, I just thought Kimmel, I I thought the end was the whole story where Jimmy Kimmel ran into him and said, oh, geez, you're funny. You should, you know, come on the show or something. And uh, and they were off. But I didn't realize how persistent Adam was in that endeavor. And it's very weird to think how different his career would have been. If and not even to say if he didn't get that opportunity, if it was just some other opportunity, because he's so connected to Jimmy Kimmel, like the way right. that he came up is a lot of through, uh, you know, in large part through opportunities that uh, Jimmy Kimmel helped present him. Basically.
1: I wish the two of them would do uh, a show now, like his, like if, if you would go on uh, his show and just talk about where their differences and stuff like that. Cause I feel like they're comfortable enough that it'd actually be a great conversation.
2: It'd be interesting. Yeah. And you can tell Corolla still like loves and respects Kimmel, but they've uh, certainly drifted apart and, you know, politically, whatever they're on Mm -hmm. uh, different sides. And because of who Kimmel is now, I will say this though. The one thing I do respect about Kimmel, cause I think Kimmel in a lot of ways has changed even more than stern has. Oh yeah. Uh, over the years. But the one thing I will say about Kimmel is he's never truly distanced himself from maybe he doesn't have Adam Carolla on his show as much as he would have years ago or whatever. But he's not afraid to talk about Adam, say he loves Adam, whatever. He'll say like I disagree with him on um you know, the the dreaded virus or something. But like he still acknowledges that they are friends, which right at least leaves me some ounce of respect for Kimmel. Right. He's not completely forgetting his past. Just kind (laughs) of. But uh, the story isn't just that Kimmel put him on the radio and all of a sudden Adam was a star. It was basically um, Kimmel saying, like, the best way for you to get on is to develop a call in as a character or something, you know, become a regular caller uh, that the guys like interacting with. And Kimmel basically wouldn't tell. So Kevin and Bean is the show that they were on. I should have said Um, legendary talk show in Los Angeles. And it was weird. Those guys hated each other, I guess, historically. And it even got to the point where uh, they didn't tell you this, but they were in the same room. Like one was broadcasting from a different state, I think. Oh shit. And they never they never talked off air anyways. You could probably do a Kevin and Bean episode at some point if I do my research. But um yeah, so the Kevin and Bean show, Jimmy was the sports guy. And uh he's like, Listen, call in as a character, I'll make sure you get on, but I'm not gonna tell them, hey, this is my buddy Adam, because it's gonna be unfairly judged. I'm just I'll just make sure you get on the air. And Corolla was like, Well, I don't really do Characters and Kimmel was like, Well, do something, you got to think of something. And uh, Carolla would start calling in as this Mr. Bertram character who was like a, a wood shop teacher who uh, you know, couldn't relate to the modern day kids. So basically, it was Adam Carolla <laughs> using a, a slightly higher pitched or deeper, deeper voice than he would usually use. Um, but yeah, it, it was this character that became. Um very popular on on the radio, and that caused Adam to uh you know kind of have a a place in that world and then him and Kimmel started working together more, and that partnership developed uh before I get too far ahead of myself what's our next clip uh loveline okay yeah, so we have a, a we have plenty of ways to go before we get the uh loveline actually no that's not true because I forget loveline was um uh, a radio show first Most people know Love Line as The weekly MTV show um, But it was also a radio show And ran much longer as a radio show um, And it was on K-Rock uh, The same station that Kevin and Bean were on And so uh Basically Um, Dr. Drew was a physician that people thought would be good on the radio. And they said, Hey, we'll have you answer these sex and relationship questions, but they wisely, there aren't always smart decisions made in radio. Uh, but very wisely, someone said, well, there's gotta be someone with him. It can't just be Dr. Drew droning on about, you know, medicine or therapy. Um, so they, he has to have kind of some comedic relief. And uh, this was the idea that Dr. Drew had. Um, <laughs> y- you were doing that,
0: that character, and I was that was hysterical, and they actually gave you a shift on Saturdays, right? Yes. And
2: I they used to term, to uh, time my nursing home rounds with uh, his breaks so I could hear Bertram talking to some of these young callers because it was pretty funny. And uh, and then you came up as Bertram on Loveline, or were you? Yes, you? Yeah, I, I did a,
0: an entire episode in character on Loveline.
2: <laughs> as, as Bertram. And, uh, and then uh, we, Not
0: as funny as when the Aquabats stayed in character <laughs> to do the Loveline show in 1998. That was hysterical, what, what but almost as good as that. And... Uh, we some TV producers showed up and announced they were going to do a show, and they were just going to do it. Whoever wanted to come along, to go ahead. And I was like, All right, interesting. And Ricky said no, and uh, they went, who was who is who calls
2: now? And I was, like, I have no idea. And I was out running one day. I could show you the spot I was in. I thought of Adam. I thought, what is that guy that does birch? I, I bet that he's guy he's like could a do vision
3: this. of you while yeah. jogging through yeah. Pasadena.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Drew just heard something in Corolla. He liked his uh, weekend show and would hear him on Kevin and Bean. And he's like, maybe this guy would fit well with me. I think he's funny. Um, so literally just being a call. That's, that's something that's gone now. That'll never happen. No. Just a caller to terrestrial radio, getting a career like Adam Carolla's like that's That's not going to happen. Never again. Um, but that's kind of wild. you hear, you'll hear stuff like that um, from the old days. It's, you know, uh, to a much smaller degree, I remember like Joe Beningo was a guy that called WFAN in New York all the time. And he ended up being their overnight guy and then their uh, midday guy. For, I think he was there. I think he was in afternoons for a while. I can't really remember when uh, Francesa left. But obviously, you know, um, probably one percent of the career Adam Carolla has had. But just interesting that there used to be a time like that that is now gone, especially because, you know, podcasts have taken over for radio. Those are national things and they don't take calls. Like there's not as much fan interaction with, you know, 99% of podcasts the way uh, that there was with the radio. Um, so yeah, Loveline being a radio show and uh, a hit MTV show, you know, there's a, a lot of people that watched, like I'll, I'll hear a lot of people talk about Loveline, basically getting them through their awkward Teen years, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, like it really was a hit with like high school and, and college age kids. It was their sort of uh, you know, late night television. Um so that was definitely uh that definitely had a great impact on Adam's career. Also, you know, not that far after that, like him and Kimmel are writing these uh scripts together and coming up with different ideas. I remember hearing them talk on stern about writing some pilot where like Jimmy Kimmel played a bookie and it was supposed to be like kind of dark or something like that. Um, so they were working on like, you know, real scripts and things, but the one idea that they had um, that, that hit with uh comedy central, what a different, a different world. Like we talked about, I recommend you go listen to that episode where we had Vinnie Paulino on and talked about the man show for more in-depth coverage but truly a different world where comedy central was like you know who we need the perspective of is white men <laughs> you know like beer-swilling sports fans is who we need to hear from more that's another thing that'll never happen again <laughs> but uh they so they got that on comedy central they had uh crank yankers which if you're not familiar somehow um that was a very popular show too where um I remember uh, John Stewart had the great line when he was debating Tucker Carlson uh, back when Tucker was on CNN, and uh, you know John Stewart was essentially saying that like Tucker kind of had a responsibility to his audience uh, to give them like real news coverage. And Tucker said, like, well, don't you have the same responsibility? And Jon Stewart said, my lead-in is puppets making crank phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's amazing that The Daily Show ever got taken as seriously as it, as it did. Uh, but, yeah, Crank Anchors was from the minds of um, Kimmel, Corolla and uh, another, another partner they had, Daniel Kellison. Um, so things are, things are fucking cruising. This guy that was in construction five years ago now has three hit shows on cable television. So a pretty, a pretty wild run for a kid that couldn't read, you know, <laughs> like that is, that is pretty incredible. And he does owe a lot of it to Kimmel. Oh yeah. Um, you know, for sure for Kimmel to kind of taking him on that ride. The other interesting thing that I found about their careers is like you never, it's very rare that you see a guy or two guys um, come from radio. Like for whatever reason, radio guys only fit radio for the most part. Like a lot of them, Hey, obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but like a, a lot of radio guys don't even transition to podcasting. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Todd Pettengale tried to podcast and it, bombed miserably. For whatever reason, a lot of people that get into radio are only able to do terrestrial radio. It's very strange. But uh, Kimmel and Corolla were able to break that mold because they were just, you know, basically regular guys and very funny. Um, Is our next clip still involving Love Line? Is that the the breakup? Yep. Uh, Yeah, so they did it for about 10 years from uh, 95 to around 2005 um and then adam left and you know um people kind of, I, I i at least according to adam people sort of made it seem like he was the bad guy in all of this this is another story i had never heard as to why him and uh, dr drew actually broke up on loveline at the end
0: of my tenure there they were on let's just say 150 markets
2: and drew's paycheck Oh, wait, sorry, gone- pause one second And just go back a little because I don't want to miss any of that But for anyone that doesn't know radio 150 markets is insane <laughs> uh, Like almost the whole country <laughs> they, they're, they're in, they're in uh, You know, three cities in every state Essentially um, So uh, that's pretty Fucking wild also being on MTV at the same time Just to give you a little perspective on how big that show was
0: They We're on let's just say 150 markets and Drew's paycheck had gone up tenfold. Wow. And I don't know what he was making exactly when it showed up, but if he was making a hundred grand, he was now making a million dollars Yeah, for a nighttime. This is, this is a shift where people are ru- routinely paid 30 K a year to do this overnight yeah. shift. But uh, I believe much in part, because of me and because of the success of the man show and things like that, we'd able we we're able to get 150 markets and, and get paid. Yeah. Well I see why you said don't take your eyes off him. Yeah. You yeah. know? This guy's gonna get you to the promised land. I think now he, at, the, at the, the end, when their contract came up, probably about nine years in, they said, All right, we'll come come back with a new contract. And here was their new contract. The new contract was, uh, Drew, you get paid the same. Adam, you go from a million bucks a year to 275 or something of that. And it could have been 310. Yeah. That was the deal. And, of course, I said, uh, why am I taking a huge haircut? (laughs) And Drew's getting paid the same. And uh, it should be favored nations and or I'm the guy who basically built a lot of this. Yeah. Um, why is it uh, that I'm being punished? And they said, well, that's that's the deal.
2: And I, I looked for more elaboration on this because I wanted like both sides to the story. I was like, that seems a little odd that just all of a sudden they uh, quarter Adam Carolla's paycheck for some reason. <laughs> um, I couldn't find any more elaboration. Like if you guys know more than I do, uh, please send it in. We'll uh, clarify it on a future episode. But um it, it does speak to the just the shittiness of of radio in general and the way none of it really makes sense where i'm guessing what happened was at some point they could afford really only to pay one of the guys and so they just said hey we're going to you know adam comes from nothing so maybe if we offer him 250 grand he'll just take it <laughs> you know right and it does it shows you how people's perspectives change over the years because Adam was a guy, um, you know, making no money, just doing what he could to scrape by. And all he wanted to do was be on the radio for even like a Saturday shift was a great achievement for him. And now he's turning down uh, 250 grand to do an overnight show, <laughs> you
1: know. Right. Any idea? Um, any idea what his net worth is?
2: Corollas? Yeah. I'll say this is a new fun game. Craig's like, likes to play on this podcast. I'll say tw- 20 mil <laughs> fucking nailed it. Really? Yeah. Right on. That feels about, that feels about right. Yeah. Um, and we'll get more into how he, uh, how he built that worth, but what also gave him the confidence to leave Loveline was another opportunity opened up. So it's not just like, he was like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, leave Loveline and figure it out. Uh, like I said, Already had a uh, this is after uh, the man show and everything, but he had two shows work out on television. Um, But also a gentleman named Howard Stern left terrestrial radio and uh, opened up a sweet time slot in Los Angeles. And Adam was able to slide in there. Um, Well, later, we do have a clip that gets a little more to uh, Stern's relationship with uh, Corolla. But yeah, uh, when Stern left regular radio in 2005, what uh, CBS radio did at the time was inexplicably on the East Coast, give most of Stern's stations to David Lee Roth. (laughs) Yes, that David Lee Roth. I don't know why they thought that would work, but (laughs) but they gave it a shot and it was a disaster. I think it lasted maybe a year. That's pretty good. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> at most, it was a complete disaster. Uh, Corolla had some success. And, you know, he got ratings bonuses in like, uh, you know, they were on in Los Angeles and Vegas and Seattle and Portland, a lot, you know, a lot of the bigger cities um, on the West Coast. And he was doing okay. But uh, as often happens in radio, there's a, a format flip. And I don't know. It's hu- Here's the thing that's annoying about radio is every show that's been mildly successful will claim they're number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you'll hear all these guys that got fired and they're like, our ratings were great. And it's like, we well, didn't fire you for nothing. There has to be something. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, this> is- <laughs> so Kroll uh, will talk about like the ratings bonuses and things. I don't know how consistent his ratings were out there. But just to be competitive for several years in the number two market in the country um, is pretty good. I wonder how Corolla would have done nationwide. Probably. I wonder if they just said day one, it's you instead of David Lee Roth. You're taking all the channels uh, or at least, you know, half of them. I wonder how he would have done. He probably would have
1: Uh, done great. Like middle America would have loved him like all that stuff
2: see i think he would have done better in middle america i don't know how like he's not it's weird because he's much more of an everyman than stern mm-hmm. but i feel like conversationally he's not like I, his persona wasn't as much of an everyman as stern was for whatever reason
1: yeah I, uh when jerry jerry was on his show and it was almost like he was like ignoring them. Do, do you remember that? Uh,
2: well, Carol is a talker. Yeah. I don't know how much of a listener he is. Yeah, not. He, he, he's, he's, <laughs> he is a talker. And there's sometimes where literally a guest will be saying something and he'll interrupt with a segue or an analogy that I'm like, how did you even get there? Like, you can tell he was just zoning off and I like, thought of this. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I don't know, you know, how interview heavy their show was, but yeah, it was definitely not a. Uh he's he's not a terrific listener. No, no, he's not. Uh all right, what's our next clip?
1: Maybe uh the down the peak downfall of Steve O.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. So this is this was interesting. I didn't uh I didn't I don't know. This might have been in the documentary we talked about of Steve O. I can't remember. Yep. Um, but I didn't I didn't really know about this. Oh really? Uh, no, I don't I don't really remember this. I do. Um, But Corolla had a show called Too Late, one of the replacements for Tough Crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think about a year later in the time slot right after The Daily Show, they tried out a bunch of different things, and one of them in August of 2005 was uh, Too Late. So right now, Corolla is getting a morning show uh, replacing Howard Stern and a late night show. The guy's fucking crushing it. (laughs) But uh, apparently too late didn't do too well in the ratings which is interesting um, I could see Corolla having that time slot and it doing well and politically you know he's different than Jon Stewart so you have that kind of back to maybe that's a bad thing as a lead in someone totally opposite of you Um, but I, I think it would give it kind of a good balance like I think he would have been an interesting talk show host uh, the audience did not feel that way No one really watched it But uh, this was pretty much The highlight of Too Late With Adam Carolla Where I believe they'd gotten rid of the studio audience At this point um, When steve showed up And they thought it might be a good idea To give Steve-O a couple drinks You know let him loosen up a little bit And uh Boy was he loose What?
0: What? what? Yeah what? welcome back to Too Late on Adam.
2: What?
1: He just said the uh, I like
0: that, bitch. Yeah, Yeah. Bitch. Tonight, uh, our studio guest is uh, Malcolm McClure, the great author. No, Steve O. <laughs>
2: eh, eh, Steve eh, O. Oh, in I studio like tonight, that, bitch. Yeah,
0: that was Steve O. Must get yeah, his ass finished. Right, Steve has, Steve is, uh, had had a couple of glasses of and Chardonnay. I will tell you, bitch. All right. <laughs> Steve, 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 focus, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, Steve.
1: There was definitely more
2: than booze going on. He is. He's fucking losing it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe Steve-O in his own right was kind of a a lightweight in the sense that booze could get him there pretty easily. But yeah, it does seem like sort of a drug-fueled state as well. And, uh, you know, like we talked about in the Jackass episode uh, Steve was very aware of this. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, he's he's been on Corolla's podcast since. I couldn't find them addressing this specifically, which I was hoping to find. But obviously, they've uh, patched things up. It seems like Corolla holds no ill will. Um, and if you're wondering, well, Mike, the guy just got drunk on his show. Oh, there's more.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a um the twelve step process. Steve-O takes apologizing to people very seriously.
2: Oh yes! Like uh, every, yeah, I was looking for that, but I couldn't find. Yeah, every uh, an
1: actual clip of it. every interview he does on his, I guess I, he gets some good clips on his podcast, Evo. Yeah, so I will watch a lot, and a lot of it is, I'm sorry, I did this when. <laughs> so
2: yes, and then we have Bam Margera on. He's accepting apologies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, no, there's there's more to this meltdown here.
0: Yeah. What is this one down here that looks like it's uh balls? Now, oh, dude, I'm about to strangle you out of your own consciousness. I thought you loved me. I will kill you. Oh, a <laughs> second ago, you loved me. I <laughs> uh-huh. love. you. Right, no not No it. Easy, easy, boy. we got to finish the segment. All right. all right. Hold on. Hold on. Steve. 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 Oh, Steve. Oh, Tackling. Yeah. Steve, I'm all right. Steve.
1: Adam Corolla saying I'm alright is so awesome.
0: Ready <laughs> take some phone calls? Come on, don't No, let's take some phone calls. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, my mic flew off, so I gotta use this Alright, this is great. I'm like I feel like a Geraldo. Oh, 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 oh no, Steve! 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 Steve don't break me, Steve. Oh,
2: Steve, that he's was a rental, like that.
0: that was a rental, Steve. I didn't like that. That was a rental. All right, <laughs> Steve. Did. Steve, hold on a second. Here, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I think we should do. Yeah. I, I was going to take some phone calls, Steve, but you're not yeah. playing. You're Not I'm playing, playing along. I don't Steve, play. If you can mind your P's and Q's, I don't play. We can take a couple of phone calls and do a TV yeah, show. I, I don't play. Otherwise, you're just going to take a break and call yeah, security. I, I don't play. <laughs> all right, all right. I Steve don't play. play. All right, so uh, we'll get security. Yeah,
2: Jesus. I mean, that's more, Steve O there is more incoherent than like homeless people I've heard on the radio. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's heavy drugs. That's not, booze. that's, that's belligerence. Yeah. And Carol is in such a tough spot there because he wants to come off he, like his persona is like the laid back, cool guy. He likes to tip a few back, all that. He's, a, you know, a man's man. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't want to come off as this like uptight square. But he's also trying to run a show, so he's like, "I can't berate him right now," but I also have to get him to calm the fuck down. Yeah, Steve
1: was acting like a child that was told he can't have chicken fingers for dinner, and he's throwing a fit.
2: It was pretty wild. And they said that was the highest rated episode of his show. Oh, I don't easily. understand how. Well, here's the thing about uh, TV back then. I don't understand how that works. So it's a half hour show. People don't have time to tell you about it. Like, how do you, so that how do, how, does the, how do the ratings work where people are just like, oh, Steve-O's
1: having a meltdown? So back then, this would happen in wrestling a lot, too, where you'd yeah. see spikes in ratings because people would be like, holy shit, and they'd start calling everyone they knew and tell them to put it on.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. See, I, I, I guess I just don't remember that, so I don't have any concept.
1: Oh, I that remember happened. that, too, but that was also uh, not quite peak jackass, but on its way. And so Steve-O was huge. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think the first movie had yeah. just
2: come out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's like, uh, you know, steve on the way to the height of his fame. Correct. Um, so, yeah, pretty brutal for Steve-O, but also uh, the show never took off. It only lasted like four months or something like that. Which is a bummer. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I I think Corolla could have been that's sort of like sort of the opposite of... Bill Maher, I think. Although, I think people... <sighs> is one of these guys that because he has opinions not dissimilar, in my opinion, from like Rogan or Dave Portnoy, where, like, because he'll give his opinion on certain topics, people are like, oh, he's a right-wing nut. Where it's like, I don't think Corolla's overwhelmingly political. I I think uh, the last three years have driven some people in a certain direction, and I think maybe Corolla has fallen into that. But even before 2020, people would call Adam Carolla right wing, and I think it's just like yes, yeah, some of the opinions that are not popular that he's very vocal on would lump him into that category. But like, if you listen to his show on a daily basis, you're not. I I don't know that you're going to get hammered with. Um, political talk. You'll you know? get
1: hammered with it, but it comes up for sure.
2: Oh, for sure, it comes up. But that's why I say, like, Rogan is similar and Portnoy is similar. Correct. Similar. Like, right. they'll address issues that people are talking about. And sometimes it's not the opinion that, you know, the media would want it to be. So they get lumped into this you know, right wing, uh, you know, hold for some reason.
1: Well, that's a, I think that's the right there is the difference between, because other than that, I think that's perfect analogy, except for the yeah. fact that uh, Corolla typically. I don't know if ever we'll have one of those portnoy uh uh pleasing the left comments, you know.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, no, and I like believe me, I bet he definitely votes Republican and everything. For sure. Um, but you know, that you you used to be able to do that and it doesn't make you fucking crazy. <laughs>
1: well that that was exactly it. And I mean, like look at Kimmel, he's the most psychotic lefty there is but he still likes Corolla
2: (laughs) yeah and well that's the thing too is like so Kimmel doesn't necessarily have that I think with certain segments he does but Kimmel doesn't have that label when he's become much more political than Corolla Uh uh-huh that's a
1: thousand percent fact
2: yes yeah so that that's where it gets a little weird but um let's keep going Uh, we got podcast oh yeah so you know his uh in in 2009 his uh radio career, you know, essentially CBS says, hey, we're flipping formats, we're doing music. So what I believe happened, what I'm assuming happened, is that Corolla was making a shit ton of money. I believe he was making I th- it was over a million dollars a year. I think it was like 1.1 million a year or something like that. So he's making a million dollars a year as the uh morning show host. My guess is what happens is radio stations look at it in 2000, and I believe this is 2009, and they say, well, can we, should we pay a show a million dollars to be number one, number two, maybe number three in the market? Or should we pay a morning show virtually nothing? to be, you know, eighth in the market. You've seen that happen in Boston. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, you know, with uh, Kirk and Callahan, hey, is it worth it to have these pay these guys a lot of money, be in trouble sometimes, and have the number one ratings, or is it worth it to have a, a shit product, but we don't have to pay anything? So uh, that's the spot that radio was in, even in 2009. Um, and Adam Carolla had unbelievable insight into what he should do next.
0: Were nice enough just to tell me, you know, you had you had a couple weeks off. And uh, actually, now that I think about it, it's weird because I, I I I was thinking we must have mentioned it a few weeks before we went off the air. But I realized we only had two days to give people a heads up because. We only mentioned the show or and or the station was being flipped on the Thursday before the Friday we went off the air. So we said on Thursday tomorrow will be our last show. So what I did is I got in a few we're going to start a podcast to my audience. Uh, But I didn't hit it too hard because I didn't really know what a podcast was. And I wasn't like, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't. We've
2: determined it's radio for gays and blacks. Right. (laughs) So I didn't know what to do. So I I shoved in a couple. Don't cancel Chris Hardwick again. (laughs) It's a reference to earlier in the conversation. (laughs) It's a great line.
0: (laughs) So I, I I shoved in a couple, like just on, on like Thursday and Friday. I said like, look, you know, if you still want to hear the show, you can go to dot com and we're going to do some call the podcast. And that was about it. But we did at least start with an audience. You know, we had a, a little bit of a f- place to jump off from, which.
2: That is a time where I like as a kid. Like a you know, a dork that was into talk radio at the time. I remember I would listen to a lot of radio online. and that's when I kind of started looking into podcasting a little bit. It was like two thousand and ten. And we've mentioned like ustream before mm-hmm. uh, where Rogan started broadcasting live from. And so these little things were popping up, and uh Corolla, you know, was at the forefront of that. He's one honestly, the Godfathers of podcasting. Um, would be Adam Curry was, I think people say he's like literally the first one to do it. Um, but if you're talking like comedy podcasts, people point to Rogan, Marin and Corolla. And then not long after that was like Burr and Bobby Kelly as well. Um, but like Corolla was one of the first to say, Hey, this is, I'm just going to do my radio show on the internet basically. And he's talking there's an interview where he's talking to Howard. He's on Howard Stern. And you know it was interesting, by the way, the famous clip of uh, Ari Shafir versus Howard Stern. great where Howard's like, that would know, be you know, that would be a great he, short. yeah, we'll do that at some point. that That's a good idea. Um, but uh, in that in that battle, Howard Stern's like, "Ah, that's the podcastings for losers. You make your bones in radio by working in a small market and working your way up yet. Uh when he had Corolla on in like twenty twelve or something like that, uh Corolla's explaining podcasting to him and Howard's like, Boy, that sounds really interesting.
1: <laughs> well, maybe he's looking at Corolla different
2: because he did get his bones. Um maybe, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But um but yeah, he's he's uh pretty innovative and he's talking about he's like, Hey, it doesn't need to be a four-hour show. He's like, Yeah, I'll do like hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes or something like that, because uh, I don't need to do a four-hour show like I did on radio, because it's not a different audience every 15 minutes. The people that want to hear you are downloading the episode. Right. Um, and he, and Howard's like, well, is there any money in that? And he's like, well, no, there isn't right now, but, uh, you know, I'm going to work on getting advertisers and uh, things like that. And now it's evolved into what it is now, but like Um, you know, without guys like Corolla, the business model wouldn't be there. You know, the way we talked about Mort Saul, where like, yeah, people have, you know, carved out their own niche in like stand-up and political comedy and things like that, but like Mort Saul literally made the template for it. (laughs) Like, it didn't exist before Mort Saul. And Corolla is kind of one of the guys at the forefront of that for podcasting, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. He
1: Um, he was the first person...
2: Uh, that definitely had like the daily Oh and still Like one of the only yeah. well, that, Which is weird to me that that hasn't Taken off More where people are like Yeah every day. you know three times a week um, People will do A lot will do like two times a week mm-hmm. um, But I'm surprised There's not more uh, Daily shows And the reason for that might be Simply that there's so much content now Like every podcasting fan is a fan of several podcasts, you know, for the most part Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like, Oh yeah, I listen to all the comedy podcasts or I listen to a bunch of true crime podcasts or whatever. So it might just be that everyone has enough content where they don't need a daily show. Um, But I'm surprised there haven't been more people. Obviously that's what the Kirk Minahan show was for a while. Uh, But other than that, there haven't been a lot of examples of guys that tried five times a week.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, Jerry does now. We used to do four. Um, That's
2: true. You know what? There might be more political the the politics maybe in politics. The yeah. comedy,
1: the con, like the the O and A feel type yeah. stuff. No, definitely, I can't think right, of one.
2: Right. But yeah. Yeah. You're right. Probably in politics it exists more. But politics. It's pretty a heavy. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: But if they're not even set up like um, the political ones aren't set up like radio shows and stuff. They're not loose. They're very segmented, like right. a news broadcast more than a radio show. What's next? Uh, we have Allison Rosen.
2: Oh, so we're already getting into a uh, controversy. Well, we're, we're, we're stepping. Uh, this is where uh, my order gets a little choppy, so we might go back and forth a little bit. Uh, but this is the big Allison Rosen controversy uh, that Corolla faced. So originally he brought, his, um, he brought his staff from the radio show over, and then at some point he brought in Allison Rosen to be the newswoman. And I mean, if you want to talk about influence, Carole was directly influenced by Stern and acknowledges it because he set up his radio show with the exact same model where he has the newswoman who chimes in. He has, uh, you know, the soundboard guy who also chimes in. He has basically, you know, these basic characters that he turns to. And so it's a a medley of traditional radio with a much more relaxed feel. The Mm -hmm. exact same model that Stern Uh, Essentially created Um, And so you know he brought Bald Brian with him from the radio show He brought in Allison Rosen to be this newswoman Um, And then Around 2014 2015 somewhere around there uh, They were not getting along And one day via Email Allison Rosen found Out she was fired
3: Adam fired me by email, an email in which he praises my professionalism and work ethic, but says that it's just that I've been cast in the wrong role and that sidekick isn't playing to my strength. I received this email while I was on vacation over Christmas break, and I was blindsided by it. I absolutely did not see it coming. And then he made an announcement on the show that I wouldn't be returning... And people went nuts and there was all sorts of outrage because listeners felt as if they knew me after listening to me for four years. And there was a lot of affection for me on the show. I think he was surprised by the reaction. So he's dealing with all this outrage, people saying they're no longer going to listen to him, no longer going to listen to the show. And I do get that he had to do something to save his image and something to make people feel okay about continuing to listen. I get that he needed to be able to move forward with his audience on board. And so the solution he found, which for a portion of his audience did work, is to create this narrative where I was bad for the show and I had to go despite I would argue four years of shows that suggest otherwise and you guys can go yeah. listen to the shows and make up your own mind yeah as to the reasons he fired me all of which to me fall somewhere in between false and ridiculous he says he did this because he owed his audience the truth but he apparently didn't feel he owed me a conversation where he told me why I was being fired
2: yeah so this gets very weird and this is where some of Corolla's audience kind of started to turn on him um, I guess people liked Allison Rosen I don't I, I don't really know um, I, I don't listen to Corolla much now. I didn't listen at all then really. Um, so I'm not too familiar with Alison Rosen's contribution, but, uh, people were like, Hey, what the fuck? Cause originally she was just gone and there was no explanation. And then Corolla went on and gave the reasons for her firing. Um, and people were like, well, what the fuck? Like th- then Alison Rosen did this. And a lot of the audience was like. Well, what the fuck? She's saying one thing, you're saying another. Uh, you fight her over email. People thought that was shitty. Um, and so you know, there was a, kind of a riff among Corolla fans. But this is one of the explanations that he gave. And the other reason I included the clip is because it, it was kind of an interesting storyline for a, a time in the early days of podcast. Patent troll. That happened.
0: That was a big deal. Yes. We fought the patent trolls and we said all podcasters, we need to circle the wagons and uh, we need to get Marin on board and we need to get Rogan on board and everyone under the Corolla digital family will put their Amazon earnings in to a pot so that we can fight off the patent trolls. That's the bill something. was about $650,000. Um, When, Allison was told of this. She said, absolutely not. I'm not going in on that. And then I said, all right, don't worry about it. We'll just go on the air and move past it. And she stopped and said, no, not going in on that. And I said, I heard you. It's fine. Come on the air. Now, it was very uncomfortable. If you could imagine the position I was in to sit here and have you say, Boy, it's great to see Rogan and Marin and everyone jumping in and fighting the patent trolls. But the person to my right, the person that was on my network, the person that was having a profitable podcast said absolutely not.
2: And so she said that was, like, not true or exaggerated. It's, it was a very weird uh, scenario. And I'll get to two different things about that whole uh, controversy, whatever you want to call it. First of all, if you're not aware what the patent troll is, um, there was a guy, there's a thing called patent trolls where essentially um, people sit on or, you know, act as vultures over some of these patents. And so someone will claim a patent on podcasting, and basically, claim that they invented it for for all intents and purposes. And so this guy did because he knew um, there was it was essentially an easy way to get money. It would never hold up in court. That uh, you know every podcaster now owes this guy um, some sort of stipend. As the inventor of podcasting, but what this patent troll does is he's aware of that and uh, knows that these guys aren't going to want to go to court in some long drawn out thing. And so basically he's looking for a settlement is essentially what it is. And uh, Adam Carolla was one of the leaders of guys saying, well, we're not going to allow that basically. And they asked their fans for donations, and they put a lot of their own money into it, and they were fighting this patent troll. Um, So that was an interesting thing. And you know what's weird is I heard a lot about it early on when, like, um, those guys were fighting against it, and then I never really heard anything. Um, As someone who does a podcast, I don't have to pay anyone. So good job, boys. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) You fought the good fight and won. uh, But I never heard much about uh, the end result of that or anything.
1: I just can't believe it's been that long since she left the show. I remember that being a pretty big deal.
2: It was, it was a big deal. Yeah. With the audience. And so here here's another thing is I remember I listened to this saga as it played out. Like I said, I didn't listen a lot during the Allison Rosen era, but I, I found out about this and got interested in it. Mm-hmm. And another thing I remember Carola complaining about, because she says in the clip that we heard, um, uh, these sort of claims fall somewhere between false and ridiculous. Uh, one of the ones that I, I'm assuming she found ridiculous was that he, compl- he he released a book during this time and uh, was it a book or a documentary? I forget. It might have been the Paul Newman documentary that came out. I can't quite remember. But whatever it was is um, he said Adam said that a lot of people congratulated him on, uh, on the book and uh, she didn't. <laughs> And I was listening to him explain this and I was kind of like, well, that seems awfully petty, <laughs> but I think what it basically boiled down to was they did not like it. They didn't get along. And I think Corolla basically said, I don't want to do a show with someone I don't like more or less. Um, so it was fun for radio fans to speculate, but I think that's essentially all it was. So basically, what
1: happened is Corolla got sick of hearing her go like, ha, 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 like just like do that well,
2: sidekick well, I don't thing. because He brought in Gina Grad, which who essentially served the same role for many years. That's um, true. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, his his podcast is is still uh, very successful. Um, oh yeah, I think he's sort of. Uh, Our boys over at uh, WATP did a Corolla episode a few months back and kind of broke down the the main critique of the show was that it's gotten very monotonous and Corolla just tells a lot of the same stories that he's been telling for 15 years Mm -hmm. and making the same analogies and the same points about different topics. Um, and, And so people have started to complain about that. I, I I think that kind of happens with any radio show that's been on forever. Because as a guy who doesn't consistently listen to Corolla, I'll still tune in once in a while and find like uh, I saw Doug Stanhope was on a few weeks ago. I listened to it and found it fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's more what it is. Where every listening every day got a little monotonous, but um, you know he's he himself is still somewhat entertaining.
1: Yeah, the thing is too is like uh, his voice. His voice just alone is not like high energy. So when you listen, you're like, "Does he want to be there?"
2: Right. <laughs> um, uh, well, he's. Go- I mean, he's going through some stuff now uh, that makes you believe maybe he doesn't want to be there. But we'll get to that in a second.
1: Um, do you want to go to uh, Howard or current show?
2: Uh, let's go to Howard, just because, uh, like I said, we'll have to backtrack a little for this. But Corolla had already on, and this is something I, would, I had always heard, but didn't quite know the full story. So when Jackie Marling left the Howard Stern show, um, you know they had auditions for the Jackie chair, basically, and uh, names that I've always, obviously, already lying. And then you'll hear other names thrown out there like uh, Gilbert, Joe Rogan, uh, Jim Florentine, Bob Levy. Uh, As people auditioning for that spot And two that I always heard Were Kimmel and Corolla I didn't know how Serious that was but this is uh, Adam and Artie talking about it And Artie kind of starts this conversation by Saying well basically I only Had this job because you turned It down and Corolla explains uh, What went into that
0: (laughs) I don't think Howard had knew who I was. Quite right. honestly, he just—he well, probably
2: didn't. He probably didn't. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Jimmy and I came on the show, and I think he liked Jimmy a lot, but I think he loved me.
2: Yeah, I know In the beginning, yeah, you were his. You love He loved you, and you were great on the show, and you know you knew how to do radio.
0: And so he was like, "Well, just move to New York and do the show." <laughs> and I was like, "I have three jobs in L.A. and two houses. I can't just move because when you haven't heard of somebody, you." assume that they're not doing anything and howard's the biggest name in radio yes so come on out to the biggest market in the country and hang out for four hours and get paid and do the show
2: and so the big the the main difference there was already was doing nothing i yeah uh when he got offered the job for stern he uh the norm show just got canceled and so Artie was kind of between gigs looking for something to do. And uh, the Stern show thing opened up. I think Artie's a lot better fit in that particular role. Thousand percent. Uh, because, like I said, Corolla's is not necessarily a great listener. Um, now, Artie's a talker, too. If you ever heard Artie do a show by himself, he can, he can ramble. Um, but I think he was... Now, it's hard to say because Corolla wasn't in that spot. We never heard him do that um, But Artie just seems better suited For a guy who could play Second fiddle um, Where Corolla is much more Of a talker and it feels like Would have dominated the conversation at times which I, I don't think Howard wanted Although it seems like obviously they had some sort of chemistry If Howard liked him enough to even mention it It would have been interesting
1: to have Howard Have someone on the show that would disagree with him And not be afraid to say something
2: It'd be wild if Corolla was there now Yeah <laughs> <laughs> with, yeah. with Howard being a hermit and uh, locked in his own home. Um but yeah that would have been interesting but it was never really uh, I thought those guys were in a lot. Um but they they were both stern fans and trying to get on the show. Um and I don't think they were ever on until they had the man show. Right. Um so uh that's what I found interesting. I thought they were kind of regulars on there but Carolla saying basically he turned it down cuz he had other shit going on. He had Love Line, he had, you know, multiple television shows. Um he's like, "I'll just wait for you to leave and I'll replace you." <laughs>
1: I'll take I'll take over <laughs> one way or another.
2: Yeah, but that 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 would have been that dynamic would have been very interesting, I think. Um but I do I, I mean maybe just cuz it's how it played out, but I think Artie does fit it better. Definitely. Um all right, so now we're talking about the the current show, yep, well, it's interesting because I mentioned uh Alice, the the whole Allison Rosen thing, and then like two months ago, this happens the show just starts one day, and bald Brian and Gina grad, two key members of the podcast, honestly, it would be pretty much like uh. If you listen to the Kirk Minahan show one day And me and Dave weren't there Like they're not co-hosts or anything But their voices you hear a lot on the show And just one day They weren't there and this was Adam talking about it Alright
0: So why didn't I not Mention uh, Bald Brian and Gina Grad Because uh, they are No longer part of the show But let me explain
2: <laughs> Hold on. If you're a listener you're just like What? <laughs>
0: Was he he seems like he's blindsided
2: by this? It just came out of nowhere. Just like uh you know, yeah, I yeah, yeah, didn't say their names because uh they're fired. You know what I mean? And Carole, it seems like uh so this annoyed a lot of his fans, I guess. Which makes sense because it's like yeah. it seems like there'd be more of a discussion. It wouldn't just be Ah, yeah, one day they're not here.
1: <laughs> Won't we'll see him no more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but he explains.
0: Let me explain. It is not in a bad way. I spoke to both of them uh, earlier today in person and had uh, a very nice, warm, and magnanimous chat with both of them who I appreciate, who I respect, and who I love, and who I've known for many times. I sent no emails this time. This was uh, (laughs) one-on-one. I sent no emails.
2: And it's not, it kind of reminds me, um, like, Stavros, uh, and it's in the complete opposite way, because Stavros chose to leave, Uh, but, like, Stavros Halkius left Come Town, which is a very successful podcast, and just put a statement out one day on Twitter, and they didn't do a last show together or anything, and it's weird, like, Bald Brian was with him for 20 years, like, 15 years. They were together forever, and Gina Grad was part of that show for a long time. So it's weird to just one day, be, and he goes on this long speech about how he's thinking, of, he's thinking about moving, and obviously they wouldn't go with him. Um, he's going through a divorce right now, so things are... The speculation is basically because of the divorce that he's going through, he couldn't afford them anymore. That's basically what it boils down to, which is perfectly fine. Like it's not in our fucking business is finances, right. you know, but it's weird to do that type of show. Uh, that's the, that's the point I was making was like, um, uh, like if Kirk one day, if me and Dave weren't there and it was just an empty room, there'd be some explanation. It wouldn't just be like, yeah, they're fine. It's just different now. You know, <laughs> Like he t- talk about how he hates us and just decided to clean house. Right. You know, it's weird on that sort of format uh, to not feel like as a fan, you're a little more in the know. Um, you know, I also think that's an odd thing to bitch about for fans. Like um, I think fan, if you go ever go on Reddit, fans have a tendency to think they're owed more than they are. Um, but it is weird for a talk show where these guys, the, the three of them talked every day on these issues. And one day Adam's just like, yeah, they're gone. Anyways. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> um how long so, ago yeah, was but, that? This was like a month ago. No shit. This is uh, the start of January. <laughs> so two months ago, I guess. Yeah. Um. But yeah, very uh, <laughs> very strange. But as a whole, Corolla is definitely a guy I admire. Is a guy that loves like talk radio and that sort of format. Um. He's one of only a handful of guys that has kept that model going. Uh, in podcast form, so I respect him for that. I think he's a genuinely very funny guy. Uh, I also think you have to respect the fact that the guy couldn't read, and that now is a you know a best-selling author. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, so he also this is something else he did for the last like ten years or so uh, was basically he um, he started making documentaries. Like he made a Paul Newman documentary. He made a movie called Road Hard. Um, which is basically about the life of a traveling stand-up comedian. So I don't know how he has Mangria, which is his own brand of liquor. So he has his fingers in a a lot of different pies. And he also does, he not only does the show five days a week, the Adam Carolla show. I counted, I think like 10 or 12 podcasts that he does every week because it's five episodes of the Adam Carolla show, three of Adam and Dr. Drew which they've started, they, uh, um, it's essentially love line with no direction. <laughs> it's like them just talking rather than, um, taking phone calls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so he does three of those a week, which, and then he does, um, some like kind of basically like true, true crime kind of a show. Um, I forget there was one or two others. Uh, so the guy is, uh, he's always working.
1: doesn't He have know? A, He has a construction TV show too, doesn't he? Or he did?
2: I don't know if that's still on the air, but that was also very popular uh, to catch a contractor. Yes. And it's a great idea. Yes. It's basically, um, you know, if you've ever heard people bitch about contractors, if you're, you've dealt with it yourself. And like, essentially, you know, this guy's screwing you. Basically, you'd bring Adam Carolla in and he would, expl- the, the contractor would have to explain to you why they're charging you what they are, or what the delay on their work is. And uh, it's a pretty good idea for a show. It's great. Um, I don't think it's on the air anymore. I, I think they brought it back for a while, but I'm not sure if it's still on. Well, if he's going through a divorce, he might, it might make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also brought crank anchors back a couple of years ago. That did
1: not do well. I don't think.
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but um, you know, it was a different time. I feel like the era of the prank call Uh, At least in that way, the era of calling up a business and, you know, saying, hey, your refrigerator is running. uh, That's pretty much dead, you know. (laughs) Right. Um, For a lot of different reasons. You know, we've basically heard it before. Uh, It got harder to do in a lot of states. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know if that format really holds up today. The Jerky Boys wouldn't make it today. I don't think think so, no. Uh, But anyway, shout out to Adam Carolla. I'm sure we missed a lot. As I always say, particularly with these living guys, um, let me know whatever I missed, and if there's enough, maybe we'll do a part two someday, Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope I did uh, Adam Corolla justice, and um, we will uh, get back with you guys next week if you want those episodes early. If you say, Mike, I don't want to wait a week. I need it now. Well, then go to the Patreon. You get episodes a week early on Patreon as well as the bonus episodes that I mentioned earlier in the program. Um, and the easiest way to find the Patreon is at blindmike.net and, uh, you know, if you're not ready to subscribe, check out all the free links there and support us that way with five-star reviews and the like. Um, and uh, for Craig, if you enjoy Craig's contribution on the program, then make sure you go to verygoodshow.org. That's where all of his stuff is. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. On why are you laughing?
1: Alright, we're still recording. There's a Norm uh, clip.
2: Oh my goodness, I'm a fool. I <laughs> I, you guys get a little bonus here.
1: I let you do the, uh, the, uh, the uh, outro just in case you didn't want to play a little, it.
2: <laughs> a little post-plug bonus here for you guys. How could I forget? <laughs> uh, a, great, a great segment with Norm and Adam Carolla. Um. Yeah, uh, this is when Norm was on the Adam Carolla show years ago and they were talking about uh, how dark some of Kenny Rogers lyrics are <laughs> and they were talking about um, uh, the gambler and how it takes a real turn it's, you know, it's a, the coward of the co- I'm sorry not the gambler the coward of the county um, you know they'd call this kid yellow in the neighborhood they'd say he's a coward and then the song takes an unexpected twist that if you're not listening carefully you might not notice
0: He's basically telling him, "Don't make the mistakes I made. Don't be a tough guy. You'll end up in the joint. You don't have to be fight right. to be a man." Right? All right. Which is true until
1: someone for everyone, and Tommy's love was Becky.
0: Becky knew him as yellow
1: too. One day while he was working, the Gatlin boys came calling. Gatlin
0: boys he are in town. Already.
1: They took turns at Becky. What? And there was three of
0: them. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the Gatlin twins. No. Had to be three guys that raped her. Kenny said that so licentiously, like he was on. Can you play that again? He sounded like...
2: I can't back it up, but knowing Nod, I was
0: like... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Gatlin boys come, come a-calling. Right. Bad enough when one guy rapes your best gal and when twins rape, but when triplets have at it. I needed some sort of musical heads up that that was coming because it was still kind of folksy. Uh, yeah. and I think. drove off the road to a drainage ditch the first time I heard that, so I thought, all right, the guy's yellow. What do you yeah. do? Punch out some bully on a schoo- schoolyard? No, three guys gang raped is Becky. At least that's yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, that was like it was all at once. Evidently, they didn't do it all at once, but they did like we'll the let way. me get this straight. What did his father tell him? It told him not to fight. Not to fight. Yeah, you don't do have have to, not fight to fight man. He yeah. didn't make the exception for gang rape? I don't think his dad and his wildest uh, imagination could have worked. Dad Boys into the scenario. <laughs> well, or it could be it could be that his uh, his dad, you know, maybe killed somebody that gang raped his wife. And that's why he was in prison. That's that's why he was yeah, there was probably like an addendum to his last message. <laughs> right. He never could get out, <laughs> which is before. in case the gat unless the Gatlin yeah. boys right. come a calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love hearing Norm laugh that hard it's very rare I, me too yeah I noticed that that was like one of his hardest laughs I've heard and you could tell he loved that because I've heard him bring that up other places right like after that appearance I heard him bring up Kenny Rogers mentioning in the, the Gatlin boys <laughs> and there was three of them <laughs> <laughs> so that was a hilarious segment I thought we should pay homage to um, but I've already told you guys where to go blindmike.net And uh, we will talk to you next time on Why Are You Laughing?